Good morning. Believe it or not, we're almost there. You're like, where are we going? We've been on a trip in the book, the epistle of joy called the book of Philippians. This is the 13th teaching in that. And this is the longest teaching I've ever done in Philippians. But I tell you, have you been blessed in this series? Have you been blessed, church? Because I've worked hard to try to feed you in this series. I hope you have. I hope God's getting something in your heart. And week, today's week 13. Next weekend we finish up the book and then go into a whole brand new series for the summer. But I'm going to do a few solo messages for them, just things that have been on my heart. But today I want to talk about the joy of contentment. Now, contentment is kind of like the myth of the greener grass on the other side. You ever notice that as humans we're always thinking, on the other side of this fence, the grass is a little greener. Things are a little different. They're a little better than, I think, my situation. This week, I flew in from California Sunday night, hit the office charging Monday, excited to be here, ready to go. Early in the week, Kelly texts me and says, Hey, I can't open any of my computer. It just died. It just crashed. That is not a good week. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we're having some financial challenges. I just go ahead and put it out there. It's in the worship guide. So, hey, give. Give to the Lord. But I tell you what, we had to go buy a new system this week. I went, okay, well, I, I'm preaching on contentment. And I started laughing in my office because that wouldn't give me contentment. And then on Thursday afternoon, I was just sitting there, and I was reflecting on the day and preaching about contentment and how much do I have or how little do I have, how much do you have, because our society drives us against it. My office is kind of right through there behind the closet. It's not a closet. It's actually behind the closet. And I looked out the window. And before my eyes appeared what I needed, our student pastor is pretty amazing. He bought some sheep. And I'm sitting there talking about contentment. And I looked out the window, and there's two sheep. Now, I don't know of a preacher in America that's got sheep outside his window. Thanks, Blake. And I'm just sitting there going, there's something in this. Here's the first thing I heard. You're dumb just like a sheep. My God loves me, but I am dumb. And, and sheep aren't known for being the brightest animals. And, and Blake has one on a long rope, and the other wasn't, wasn't tied up. And I was a little shook up. I said, wait a minute. But those sheep, they just stay in parallel. They just stay together. So then I started observing the sheep. And then I thought, I don't know where this sermon's going, but I'm getting an illustration right here. And I was just watching these sheep. And the sheep, they were eating the grass. I mean, you know, I don't know if you know this, you have to move sheep because if you leave sheep in the same place, they will eat it down to the nub. So we're not going to have grass out here long, okay? So I was sitting there watching them, and I was just looking. And then they went over, and they just laid down in the pine straw. Bah, bah. And, man, they were just chill. They were just content. Life was good. And here's this preacher. I'm all worried about the weekend. They ain't worried about nothing. Because Blake's going to feed them. I thought, man, that's good. And I thought about you and me. Because you see, this world, the commercials, all of life drives us. You need more. You want this. You want that. You know, I've always noticed, I don't even know what I know that I don't even know that I need something until I go to the store. Then they teach me that I need it. And when you watch television, you see those commercials, you never, you info commercials. It's, now I, I don't call those places. I, I'm, not, I'm not an addict, but I, watch, but I am tempted sometimes. 
And you see all this stuff, you know, like, get this pan. You know, you can beat it, and you can throw it, and you can, nothing will stick to it. <laughs> I'm like, man, I need one of those. And I have been thinking about ordering that pan. But contentment. As I was studying this week, somebody said Americans are the most discontented people on the face of the earth. We probably have the most. We have the most resources. We're blessed of God. When I've traveled the world preaching the gospel, I'm amazed that the poorest nations that I go into tend to have the most contentment. And us, Americans that have the most, seem to be the most discontented. I'm like, God, what is that? I was at a conference last week at Thrive, actually the week before, and there was this uh, lady, she was homeless. She had a daughter. She was an addict. She went over to St. John's. It's this facility there in uh, Sacramento. And she's gotten her life turned around with Jesus and got sober. And she's gotten a job and she's catching a bus, public transportation to go to work. thought, man, that's pretty cool. I want you to see this video, though, what happened. So this morning, there's a mom in here that's going to drive away with a new Ford. <laughs> I lied. I wished. We raised $19,000 just in a spontaneous offering, and the Ford dealership worked. They ended up giving money to St. John's. They bought her a car. They paid for her insurance for the year, and they gave her a $750 gas card. But here's why I showed you that thing. I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I mean, even when you won a car on Oprah, you had to pay the taxes. All the taxes, everything were paid on this, for this lady. But she came in there content because Jesus had become real to her and he was enough. 
even with her little bus tokens to travel to her job to and fro every day. She left there with a car. The next morning, I was talking to my friend Ray, the pastor and the CEO of uh, St. John's, came up, and she was just, man, teary still. And she says, last night, let me tell you what happened. First of all, we had to make sure the lady had a license. <laughs> then she was dropped off in Granite Bay. She didn't know how to go home, so they had to tell her. They had to take the mirrors off the car to get it in the building. But it was just neat to see what had happened. But then she made this comment, and I'll never forget it. She said, this is the first car that I've been in in the last 10 years that I haven't had to sleep in. And that's in America. Content. And I thought, we are a nation, we are a church that's so blessed of God. And, and, and then I started thinking about, as I was reading Genesis 3, when you read Genesis 2, things are looking pretty good. When you go to Genesis 3, sin kind of enters the picture. It does enter the picture. And the first sin in the Bible of mankind is being discontent with the blessing of God. I want you to write that down somewhere. That's not in your notes. The first sin is being discontent with the blessings that God has bestowed on you and me. And that's where sin starts, and that's where it takes us. Somebody once said, sin will take you farther than you want to go, and it'll keep you longer than you want to stay. It's just the nature and the havoc of the damage of the evil one and what he wants to do in our life. Discontentment. We live in a day of discontent, I hate to say, church. Today is a fun day. It's Mother's Day, and we get to honor our moms. We get to love them, and there's a scripture that's going to come up, 2 Corinthians, I think it's 12, around verse 9 or 10. It says, for the sake of Christ, and I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong, said the Apostle Paul. I mean, this guy was shipwrecked, beaten up, all kind of things happened in his life. When we read, we've been studying this book, he's prison. And he's always saying, I rejoice. Again, I say, I rejoice in the Lord always. He's my living hope. And I'm thinking this morning, I don't know if we're content or if we're like, man, I've traded in contentment. But in Philippians 4, we find ourselves here. And Paul's basically saying to us, it's the most positive of all Paul's letters. And Paul goes, Philippi, the church at Philippi, the Philippian church, I love you. I'm encouraged by you. I'm blessed by you. It's arguably the most positive letter that he, that he writes. And he says a little later, he goes, but I have learned in every circumstance that I will be content. That's what Paul says, the guy from jail. He didn't get a new car. He didn't get, a, he didn't get the text. He didn't get an airplane. He didn't get any of that. He just got blessed. And then I got to thinking about discontentment. You might want to write some of these down. This morning, speaking to this many people live and on the web, some of you are discontent with your job. It just brought discontentment in your life. Maybe you're discontent with the friendships you have. Maybe you're discontent with a roommate. Don't look at them if they're sitting next to you. That would not be good. I bet a lot of us are discontent with our bank account, and the church said, yeah, see? When you were in college, you were discontent with playing time, maybe if you played high, or college athletics. I don't know. We just, we just get discontent over a myriad of things. But Paul says, but I have learned to be content. You see, everybody that hears my voice today can learn to be content. Guys, I have not learned this. Thanks be to God for the grace of Jesus. I am more content than I used to be, but I'm still not content. And right now, you just turn to the person next to you and say, and you are not content either. Just turn to them and tell them right next to you. So you're not content either. 
Uh, how many of you got slapped? Raise your hand if she just slapped you. He just slapped you. Okay. All right. Come back. Come back. Come back. I don't want you to start talking. Okay. Being discontented is a universal problem. It really is. It doesn't matter if you're single. It doesn't matter if you're married. It doesn't matter if you're sick. It doesn't matter if you're well. It doesn't matter if you're young. It doesn't matter if you're old. It doesn't matter if you're in college. It doesn't matter if you're out of college. Every human heart struggles with discontentment. Do you agree? We just do. I mean, it's just the nature, I think it's the nature of sin that we struggle with. And, and uh, so sometimes if we're 13, we want to be 40. If we're 5, we want to be 16. If we're 16, we want to be 23. If we're 23, we want to be 35. If we're 35, we want to be retired. If we're retired, we want to be young. If we're young, we want to be dead. I mean, I mean no, we don't want to be dead. We just want to be something. We just, we're just not content. I mean, some of you are like, well, man, this is like a depressing message. I brought my mom, and you told me she's not content. Well, I'm getting to preach this, but I've been reading this all week. And then I got to looking at some verses, so I'll just give you some that you can write in. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. Now there is great gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world, we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with this, these, we will be content. That's what he says. If we have food and clothing, we're content. And I'm like... Ain't the world I live in. I want more, should have, could have, just whatever. I mean, that's just our nature. We're always driven to want something that somebody else has gotten. And then I thought, well, God, you, you give us this section in Philippians and you tell us in 1 Timothy, and he goes, okay, well, I got more. Hebrews 13, 5, write it down. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But be content with what you have. And some of you are going, Okay, well, Jesus said, be content. Well, I need to be content. Lord, how am I going to do that? I'm going to have to learn it. I, I thought contentment meant more pleasure. I thought it meant bigger. I thought it meant this. No, there's restlessness in the body of Christ this morning because we haven't found our contentment in Jesus. We've tried to find our contentment in things or a place, but contentment is always found in a person, the Lord Jesus. Write that down. That's worthy. Contentment is always found in the person of Christ. And he's the only one that can make you and I content. Here it is. I was on the airplane the other day. I'm getting ready to fly home. When I fly the West Coast, my clock gets all messed up and I don't sleep well on the road anyway. And I got up at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I had this roommate. And he said, man, let's, let's get up at 4.30. I'm like, Why? He said, well, we need, to get, we need to leave at 4.30, so we really need to get about 3.45 or 3.30. I'm like, well, why even go to bed? You know what I'm saying? But I did. I tried. I sat there and flapped all night. So then we get up to the airport, turn the car in, go to the thing, run, run, run. Sacramento International Airport. It's called the Gateway to the West. It's crazy, man. Just lines and lines. And I'm going, I'm having fun. Praise Jesus. And, uh, and I'm praying for y'all. So if y'all aren't even, well, yeah, y'all are getting ready to have church, you know, whatever. And then, then there's this section. I've only flown there one time. When I, I used to travel and speak a lot as a youth pastor. And, and one day I was in Kansas City speaking, and, and, and they, I got to the airport about 5 o'clock in the morning. They said, sir, we gave away your seat, but we have a problem, but we're going to solve it. Would you fly in first class? And I said, let me think about it. And I flew first class. Only time ever. So now I have an attitude. So I'm walking through first class the other morning. A bunch of rich snobs, rich people, man. I'm going back here, and I'm going to sit. And they sit me, you know, because I had an attitude. God set me right in the middle with two big people doing that on me. That is not a good day. But it is. Because I was on the West Coast last Sunday morning. 
By Sunday afternoon, I was sitting in Atlanta, Georgia. Don't y'all marvel about travel? I, I, I still do. Okay, anyway, contentment. See, I wasn't content because I had a seat back there. I wanted a seat up there, and then big leather seats where like, like they, they just, you, you drool and they just wipe your mouth. Sir, you're drooling. When I drool, my wife says, turn over, you're snoring. Okay. What are you laughing about? Y'all snore. How many men snore? Say amen. The rest of you men lied. Okay. Envy destroys us. Here, I was reading this about book. I was reading this book, and it says this, basically, we want more money, more success, more luxuries. We live for the next raise, the next house. All seems compared, seems compared is, is pale compared to the things we might still get. Even this morning, some of you are thinking, I know I should be content because Jesus talks about it, but I'm really thinking about the next thing, the next raise, the next promotion, the next job, the next whatever. And Jesus is just trying to slow me and you down and say, I want you to be content with what you got right now. Last night, our grandson spent the night with us. That was a good night. This morning when he got up, all he wanted to do was smile and be fed. And he's content. And I left the room, and he was not content. Came back in the room, he's happy. And does that make you, man, I'm having a good day. You know what I'm saying? You can come up to me today, and you can get in my face, and you ain't ruining my joy. Because my grandson just put it on me. I wrote this down, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. See, some of you are saying, give me seven keys to contentment. I can't do it. Contentment is found in a... Oh, man, some of y'all are listening. Wait a minute, let's say it again. Contentment is found in a... You got it. All right, let's close in prayer. You got what I got? No, you ain't getting off that early. I still got some stuff to preach. Here we go. Let's fill it in. Setting. The setting here is in Philippi. From the place where they were sending the gift to the church there, it's about 800 miles, kind of like Chicago to New York. And the church here is established by Lydia, a founding member, and they send back a gift. They send financial aid. They send a financial package. They, they send a love offering to Paul. And so let's pick it up here in chapter 4, verse 10. How I praise the Lord that you're concerned about me again. I know you've always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Now that I was, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. So here was an opportunity for the people to give, to bless Paul, and they did. And the, the point lies there that there's joy in providing. There's joy in giving our life away for Christ, for other people. There's a connection to to contentment and joy in that it involves people. The people participated in the offering. And when they offered up their lives, when they offered up their gifts, they brought joy to the Apostle Paul. But they also received something. They received joy. When you give church, listen, listen. I like when Charles Stanley says that. Listen to me now. Listen. I want you all to listen, okay? When you give, it produces joy in you that you might reflect Christ to the world. But when you hoard, when you hold on, when you're stingy, when you don't give, when you disobey, you deny the joy that Christ has for you. Let me tell you what happens here on a regular basis. I'm the founding pastor, so I'm the only pastor Christ community has known as senior pastor since it started. And over the years and every month, We've had partners all over the world, and I tell you, some of them are just helping us to ha help it happen. And every month this happens. A 
a letter comes in the mail. And there'll be a gift. And sometimes they're very sizable gifts, and people just go, I miss my time in Montgomery. That was a great place for me to grow spiritually. Here's a gift to the church. Greetings and blessings to the people at Ryan Rudd. So I understand that. There's maturity in that giving. See, God loves a cheerful giver, not a pressured giver. I don't want to manipulate you and hit, guilt you into giving. If I do, next week i got to come with a bigger guilt stick than I hit you with this week. And before long, I ain't even coming because I don't like me. But I will tell you, church, I'm just going to be raw. We are having financial challenges in this church like never before. And it is causing your pastor stress. I'm just going to tell you, just want to be honest, just thought I'd let you know. And it's your church. And you got a responsibility. And this ain't in the notes, so I better get back. But I tell you what, that's a word in season and out of season. The church said, that brother's preaching. When I used to say, he ain't preaching, he's meddling. No, I'm trying to come out of here, man. They found an opportunity to give, and they gave, and they blessed the Lord. There was a providence of God to know, to see. And just a couple of scriptures, Genesis 45, 5. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Here's the whole story of Joseph in Genesis 50, 20. I love this verse. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. All I know is that God takes all this stuff and he works it out for the redemption of mankind when we participate with him. And God, you are sovereign and God, you rule and God, I yield to you. So I trust you today, Father. And whatever comes my way, may you instruct me. I read a story out of David Jeremiah's book, Count It All Joy, by his friend Chuck Swindoll, and I thought it was interesting. I want you to hear it. There's a book that Chuck, I used to buy all the Swindoll books, and anyway, prolific writer. You hear him, Insight for Living, but he wrote this book called Simple Faith. Listen to what he says. He wanted to express the discontentment prevalent in America, in our society. It was spring. But it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall that I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood that I wanted. The freedom and the respect. I was 20. But it was 30 that I wanted to be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted the youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was the middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, but I never got what I wanted. Now, I don't know, that, that kind of sums it up to us, maybe. I'm always wanting that. And this is where I am. I remember all the years I spent in school, I kept thinking, I want to be there, but I was here. And I remember when we planted the church, and a, guy, a wise man walked up to me one day. He goes, are you having fun? I said, most of the time. Why, are you fixing to make it bad? And he told me this. He says, enjoy the journey. It's where God has you. That's free. Just write it down. Enjoy the journey, because it's where God's got you. Are you going to work with him or are you going to work against him? So contentment. There's here the setting there. Then, then there's a secret to have real contentment. I want you to fill in these blanks because I think this is good. Remember that everything you have belongs to God. That brings contentment. Lord, 
Everything in the earth is yours, I give it back to you. The second one, be thankful for what we have, not coveting what others have. To covet is to sin. And Lord, I want to be thankful and content with what you've given me, not with what my neighbors have. The third one, ask for wisdom to use wisely what we do have. God, you have given me a voice. God, you have given me a talent. God, you have given me this. May I use that for the glory of Jesus Christ. But I'll use it wisely. Fourth, pray for grace and let go of the desire for what we don't have. Oh, but Lord, Lord, I need, I need that. No, you don't. You don't need it. You want it. And you might get it. And you might not. But be content. And the last one is simply, then just trust God to meet all your needs. I think it's Philippians 4.19. And my God shall meet all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. But that's next weekend. I just thought this was rich stuff that makes us think. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 8, there's a scripture that says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Now, at the time scripture was written, they did not have a refrigerator, they did not have a freezer, and they did not have another refrigerator in the garage. See, we're blessed. We've got the American dream, I guess. We have a garage we're blessed with, and we have a refrigerator out there, and one in the house, and they have stuff in them. And yet, this wisdom literature says, but Lord, not poverty, not riches, give me my daily bread. I think he was teaching you and I a principle to be content with that which I have. Amen? I mean, have, have you ever come in before? Here, here it is. Teenagers are great at this, but so are adults. I just opened the cupboard. We ain't got nothing to eat. Man, food falling out, cereal, you know, milk, cookie. Well, milk, that, that may be getting in the cupboard. You know, stuff's falling out, man, all this stuff. But you're not content. What, did, what you want to say is, you don't have what I want, but you got food. And, and somebody just said, I wish he'd quit going on. He don't need to go off no more. He's preaching with too much conviction this morning. No, I just think it's the word of God, and God's trying to encourage you, and he's trying to put us through school to master the lesson of contentment or to learn more about it, to have the secret of contentment and to follow him in a beautiful way and to be more spiritual, to be more like Christ and to not doubt the love and the care of the Father. So, Lord, give us hearts to trust you for the provision that you've made for us because where there is a problem, there is always a promise. And, Lord, I might have a problem, but there's a promise in your word if I'll just hang around, if I'll just dig, if I'll just mine, if I'll just study your word, if I'll ask you, you will give me a promise to build my life upon. And that's what I find through the reading of God's word is that he grants me those things that he wants to give me, the desires of my heart. All these things he, he gives bountifully. We learn to be content. Contentment, just a thought you might write in the margin, contentment has to be nurtured. Contentment does not just happen. You have to learn it. You have to work it. It's a craft, and you have to nurture it. And as your mom has nurtured you, you have become a young man or young woman of joy, of life, of excellence, or whatever, and your moms nurture you. We should nurture one another in contentment. The Lord wants to nurture us in his contentment, in his way. So there's some things this morning I'm thinking about. There's groups of people now, don't look at anybody right now. This would be too convicting. There's groups of people that draw you away from contentment. They're not content at all, and they're individual. They're groups. They, they push you away, and you just know that that's not good for your contentment factor. 
And God wants you to draw away from them and to not fuel your discontentment, but he wants you to find contentment in him and in his presence and in his joy and possibly in the family of faith. And there you find contentment for the journey and you go, Lord, this is what I know. And then here's the one that gets me. This, this always robs me of my contentment. And you can write it down or listen or, or both. When I play the comparison game, when I get into the compare snare, I always lose. When I compare what I have or don't have to somebody else, I never win and never will you. But when I choose not to compare, but to be content with what Abba has given me, I'm in a good place. And the church said, man, y'all were listening to Pastor Derek last weekend. Boy, he, I tell you what, this morning, everybody, I'm glad I got to come back. I've already had 15 people come to me today and said, that was the best message I've heard all year. I love that guy. I love that guy. I'm like, well, you love him too much. He might be just coming over. Am I leaving? Y'all just ain't told me yet. I love the brother. Man, he came over Monday. I love it. He's a little forgetful. He forgot his laptop. He was so excited when he left here last week. So he came back. And we got to visit. And he just said, man, I love Christ Community Church. I said, which one? You pastor in Columbus. This is Montgomery. He goes, you got some sweet folks over there. Man, bless you, Derek. I hope you watch. You know what I've learned? Derek watches us. Yeah. That's a little scary. Hey, love you, man. All right, here we go. All right, here we go. So a question is, what are the activities that choke out my contentment? Because the secret is to learn contentment, not to buy into TV and to be exposed to everything that's on television. Because when I get so much of the world in my heart, and you do, I grow numb to the things of Christ. And when I get more of Christ and more of the Holy Spirit, you remember that old song? I'll do a Derek now. No one cared for me like Jesus. Remember that? I would love to tell you what I think of Jesus since I found in him a friend so strong and true. I'm not singing it if you notice. I would tell you how he changed my life completely. He did something that no other friend could do. How many of you know that song? You notice those people have gray hair and uh, are older. Okay. Oh, here's something for you younger people. The butterfly song. This is how spiritual I am. If I were a butterfly, I'd thank you, Lord, for giving me wings. If I were a robin in a tree, I'd thank you, Lord, that I could sing. If I were a fish in the sea, I'd wiggle my tail and giggle with glee. But I just thank you, Father, for making me me. And then it goes to that course that we teach our kids. For you gave me a heart and you gave me a smile. You gave me Jesus and you made me your child. And I just thank you, Father, for making me me. Dude, you go from a nursery rhyme to a hymn. Boy, you are kind of diverse. I know. (laughs) Some of you needed a nursery rhyme more than you did other. Here's the deal. When you and I get self-reliant, when we get cocky, when we get prideful, when we get arrogant, we forfeit contentment. And I've just come to proclaim today that the Lord is a God of contentment, and he wants contentment in your heart and mind. And then he gives us that verse that, It gets so misquoted. It's the motivational verse. It's the verse for FCA. It's the verse for everything. And it's a powerful verse, and I've quoted it. It It's one of the first verses I ever learned, but it gets so misused. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And it's absolutely dependent upon the sufficiency of Christ. I cannot agree more, exclamation point. But let me just tell you. Let me pick on one over here, Drew. Drew's a very smart student, won a lot of scholarships. Drew, I'm proud of you, buddy. And he can work equations that I don't even know what they mean. All right? 
But, but you're, you're looking down there at his, uh, you're, you're looking down there at his thing. Now, here's the deal. I could pray, oh, Lord, I can do everything Drew does through Christ who strengthens me. And I sit down with the, what are you laughing about? And I sit down and do the equation, and Drew does his. Drew gets the answer, and he walks out. Pastor Keith is in summer school for the rest of his life. Why is that so funny? Well, my son-in-law is a math teacher. He could help me. Somebody needs to help the boy. You see what I'm saying? But I can do all things through Christ. It doesn't mean you can do something that God hasn't gifted you to do necessarily. But with the power, with the infusing strength of Christ. I read it. Let me tell you what, dude. When you're reading a verse and you get too familiar with it or you don't quite understand, this is what I do all the time. Go to BibleGateway.com. Write that down. BibleGateway.com, and you can look at all the translations. When I first started as, as a preacher, I had to get so many Bibles, and it would only have like maybe four translations in this one and three in that. And then I had this thing that came out. I know young people. I'm old. They had this thing called the Internet. And when the Internet came, it changed life. And when Bible Gateway hit, it's awesome. So I like to go to translations and listen to the Amplified. I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. I am self-sufficient in Christ's efficiency. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Isn't that great? And then J.B. Phillips for us that are kind of simple. I'm ready for anything through the strength of the one who lives within me. Contentment. Lord, I'm ready for some contentment. I want to trust you. I want to run to you. And there it is, just the significance that contentment is not in a place, it's not in a thing, it's not in a church, it's in a person of Christ. Knowing him, running to him, that he is more precious. I'm going to ask the team to come. It says, we have adequate resources in the Christ strength. He's more than enough. He's ample. He overflows. It says, Paul says, I have learned to be content whether much or whether little, but I'm content. He had learned it. And here, I'm just thinking about the resources of Christ. And there, there's a quote that's going to come up on the screen, and, and I think it says it well. The secret of Paul's independence was his uh, dependence upon another. And that another would be his self-sufficiency was a reality that came from being in vital Union with the one who is all-sufficient. And the one that is all-sufficient is Jesus. And because of the union, of the grafting, of the oneness that Paul had with Christ, he was content. And, and so that's really the answer today. That's the bottom line. If you want to have contentment, you have to be in strong union, connection with Christ. And in that connection, there's joy. And we, that's what the whole series is about. Contentment is rooted in eternity. For eternity, we will have joy. We will have contentment. And I put this down. Contentment is belonging to Christ. And then being entirely at the disposal of Jesus. I belong to my master, Christ. And now he can dispose and he can live his life and express his life through me and you because I submit to him and I find contentment. Let's pray together. Lord, I love the beauty of of the gospel of grace and I love how Jesus came to save sinners from sin from discontentment from rebellion and you have come to save us from distrust that leads us to rebel 
against the kingdom of light. You have come to save us from infinite punishment in hell and damnation. You have come to rescue us and give us abundant life in your Son. You are holy. Would you call us to your throne this morning? Would you call people to put their faith in Christ and Him alone? For you are good and above all, and you rule. And I need your sacrifice, your blood to cover my sin today. Wash me, Jesus. Cleanse me by your blood and make me your child. Rule in my heart is Lord. And may I be content to say my declaration is that Jesus is my Lord, my hope, my healer, my strength. Infuse us today, Lord. I'm just curious this morning, did anybody just pray that prayer with me? Would you just raise your hands across the living room? Would you, would you do that? Did anybody just raise, did anybody just pray a prayer of surrender, of commitment of their life to Christ? That's what it means to follow Jesus, surrender. I'll be in the back of the room if you want to talk. Chris is going to do a phenomenal song, him and the team. It's called, Oh, Praise Him. You know what? That's what I came to do this morning was to praise my king with my friends. Let's stand to our feet and let's worship Christ. Service isn't quite over yet. Come on. Church, the altar's open if you want to come. Come.